Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Melissa Stuttered, and this is Tefered Talks, the blog talk radio show for Tefered, a journal of spiritual literature, where our goal is to promote peace in the individual and in the world through writing. We're so happy that you've joined us tonight, and we invite you to also join our online community at www.teferitjournal.com, where you can interact with other members, read their writings, post your own writings, and subscribe to the journal. I'd like to let you know as well that our blog talk chat room is currently open if you'd like to chat with other listeners or suggest questions. Our interview tonight is with Russell Shams, translator of Rumi, The Art of Loving. Russell first learned of Rumi's poems in his Persian classes as a young boy growing up in Iran, and now the works of Rumi and other Persian poets have been his spiritual companions for over three decades. Having lived and studied in Iran, India, Japan, and the USA, Russell's life and education are rooted in a multicultural, multilingual matrix. Russell founded the Rumi Poetry Club in 2007 on the 800th anniversary of Rumi's birth. Based in Salt Lake City, Utah, the club celebrates the poetry of East and West through its monthly meetings, annual gatherings, website, and publications, as well Russell has published a number of essays in such magazines as The World and I, Interreligious Insight, Pure Inspiration, Light of Consciousness, Kyoto Journal, The Himalayan Journal, Mandala, Persian Heritage, Sufi, The Rumi Review, and of course, Seferit. He is currently working on another anthology of Rumi's poetry. If you're not familiar with Rumi, Rumi was a renowned Persian mystic poet of the 13th century and is currently one of the most widely read poets in North America and Europe. Rasul, welcome. How are you this evening? Hi, Melissa. Very fine. A very good evening to you and to all of our friends who are with us in this program. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, I'm so delighted, for- so honored to have this conversation with you. Oh, thank you for being here. I'm very delighted and honored as well. I think um, I I did, I'm not sure if the intro went twice for the people who were listening, but Blog Talk kept saying that the the show hadn't started yet, so I kept starting over. But anyway, I'm sure we got it all. (laughs) Thanks. So anyway, um, I'd love to start by hearing more about that first introduction you had to Rumi's poems as a young boy. Um, did you realize then how profound the poems had impacted you, or was that something that dawned on you over time? Yes, yes. Well, as, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Rumi to me is not um, a poet that, uh, you know, I, I, I learned about him in translations. Um, uh, he was, his poetry was part of uh, the Persian textbooks that I had to study as a schoolboy. But later, when I left Iran towards the end of 79, um, he became more meaningful to me, uh, to my own spiritual growth. Um, so I studied him in a, a new light. And over the past five years or so, I have been translating some of his poetry. So, so it has been a delight. Yes, yes, that's wonderful. You know, I was I was wondering actually so many people are just profoundly impacted by his poetry 
And I was wondering um, what it would be like to have such an intimate relationship with the poem, how that's impacted your life. Thank you. Yes, it, it's been a privilege. Uh, in my opinion, uh, Rumi represents a very rare human phenomenon in history. And I say this not because he was a Persian poet, but because he has certain qualities uh, which, in combination, make him so remarkable. Uh, first, uh, he somehow integrated in his life, in his person, several aspects. He was a learned scholar, a well-read thinker, a teacher on matters of philosophy, religion, literature. He had absorbed the ancient wisdom, so to speak. And then he was also a refined poet, a very skillful poet. Then he was a, a mystic with a deep insight into the reality of life, our life. And he was also a very spiritual being, a kind of saint, so to speak, very humble. He lived a very simple life. He was very compassionate to all kinds of people. So he practiced what he preached. He truly lived his poetry of love. So that's amazing. Yes, it but, truly is. And, and then what, what's really interesting to me uh also, is that with all these qualities, he does not claim to be anything. He does not claim to be a religious leader, you know, a guru, a yogi, a philosopher, so forth. He, he does not say, you know, follow me and read my book and you will be enlightened. So, like a flower, you know, he, Rumi simply shares his being, his joy. So, that, that's another point that, that really... Um, attracted me to Rumi. Yes, and you know, that's one of the things that I really like about the way you've put this book together also because it's it's really not just a translation of the poems. You also have um, stories about his life that, that other people told. You have biography that you included in the intro, essays that you wrote about him, and um, the wonderful, wonderful list of terms and symbols in the back. Um, it's so mm-hmm. helpful. So, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your choice to organize the book in this way instead of just having it be the traditional translation of poems? And Thank you. I appreciate that. Only the poems. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I translated this book and uh, this anthology not for negative reasons, not because I disliked the other translations. That that was not the in, intention. Um, I was moved by his poems, and they inspired me, and then I tried to share some of this joy with others. So that, that was the uh, real motivation. Uh, but at the same time, I also wanted to put his poetry in a context, in a context of his culture, his history, um, his mystical traditions. That is why I included two essays, uh, one on his life, the other one on his poetic vision at the beginning of the book. And then I went uh, to select very short poems, uh, what's called quatrains, rubaiyat, and uh, I think I have about 144 quatrains in this book. And then 
um, towards the end of the book, when I was working on it, I thought, you see, Rumi was a man of faith. I mean, uh, he was a man of prayer, and and uh, he truly practiced what he uh, composed in his poetry. And then I uh, collected, selected actually uh, twelve stories, true stories from his um, life, from a biography, which was written by one of his fans' disciples after he passed away. So that comes at the end of the book. But as also you mentioned, I included a glossary of uh, some technical terms relevant to Rumi's poetry. So I hope it's a good package. It is. It's wonderful. And I'm curious with the terms that you included, were those, was that a legend that Rumi provided or did that grow out of your own scholarship? No, this is my own compilation. Rumi uh, did not have any, <laughs> did not compile any dictionary of his his terms, um, which he uses. Um, this is the result of my own reading, and that is why it is very incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually fabulous. I mean, I've been reading Rumi for years, and, and you're right. There are so many wonderful translations of it, and now here's another one. And on top of it, there's this, this wonderful glossary of symbolism. And um, I felt like, after reading that, I felt like I really understood the poetry even better than, than I have in the past. Thank so you. It's, it's wonderful edition. Well, I'm glad uh, you liked it. Thanks. Also, I know you were extremely meticulous about the source material and your method of translation. Mm-hmm. So would you talk about that just a little bit? Yes. yes. While I was researching for this, I came across several printed editions of Rumi's books. And um, uh, then I went to the original sources. And one of the sources which I used is actually the printed version of a manuscript that is still kept at uh, Rumi's museum in Konya. And that has been printed uh, recently, so I used that as a source. And the second source which I used, which is authentic as well, uh, it's what's called Fruzanfar edition. Professor Fruzanfar, he was a professor of Persian literature. He passed away decades ago. But he spent um, oh, uh, decades, really, on compiling, on reading all these manuscripts of Rumi's poetry. And then he put together a 10-volume edition of his poetry, oh. The Divan Shans, which was published uh, by Tehran uh, University Press. And uh, I used that uh, source as well. It is so important because there are some manuscripts and printed editions of Rumi, uh, which came later, and they include some quatrains, which you can't find in the original, in the oldest uh, manuscripts. So they were apparently added later by scribes. And and I avoided those quatrains. Oh, wow. That's, that's wonderful. Um, I wanted to, before, we'll read the poems in just a minute, but before that I was just wondering, you had mentioned about his life, about what an extraordinary man he was, what an extraordinary human being, and how he lived with so much grace. 
and how that's really intertwined with who he was as a poet. And I wanted to see if you could um, maybe elaborate on that a little bit mm-hmm. so that people who aren't familiar with him can can understand. And even if you want, maybe even tell one of the little stories from the back of the book or, you know, something to sort of sketch <laughs> out. Okay. What you mean. I mean, if, if it's not putting you on the spot too much. Yes. <laughs> you know, that is fine. I'll be delighted to. Um, well, as you said, he was a 13th century Persian mystic poet. Um, he was, uh, his poetry is in the tradition of what's called Sufi poetry, so it's very spiritual. Um, and he was a man of faith. I mean, he was a Muslim scholar and a man of prayer, religion. But what is amazing is that uh, he does not renounce the world. You see, his being religious uh, did not give him a negative perspective on life, and that's amazing. He does not say that, you see, the world is full of sin and sorrow and suffering, so we should escape to caves or temples. So, in a way, he truly uh, exemplified what Jesus said, you know, be in the world, but not of it. And that was also Rumi's philosophy. But in doing so, uh, he did not endure the world. He enjoyed it. So that's why his poetry, when you read uh, this anthology or other uh, anthology of Rumi's poetry, you see that it's full of joy and beauty and and love. And to me, it seems that he truly treasured every day of life as a gift. Yeah. Um, and one of the stories, uh, since you asked me to read one of um, the stories, uh, true stories from his life. For example, um, this story. One day, a close friend of Rumi was feeling very sad and depressed with his life. Rumi said to him, all your worldly sorrows are there because you have set your heart on the world. If you free yourself and feel like a stranger to this world, then you will enjoy seeing all colors and tasting all dishes without being attached to them and knowing that you are a passenger. Be like this and your heart will not be suffocated by worldly sorrows. You see, so sorrow uh, has no place in his dictionary. Yes, yes, that's that's beautiful, really. So be a stranger stranger and, 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 and be joyful. Yes, and he was so wonderful about giving that advice to people who needed it, too, it sounds like. Um, Well, I know we're really looking forward to hearing you read the poems, so uh, would you read some quatrains now? I'd love to hear them. Okay. Uh, Well, there are so many of them, so, so many of them. Um, um, How about let's start with this. Uh, It's number 21 in, in... uh, my translated book. Okay. Um, you search for one who can untie your knots, yet you die in that illusion. You were born in the bosom of union, yet you die in separation. You reside on a river bank, 
yet you sleep with thirst. You sit on top of a treasure, yet you die a beggar. Now, this is a quatrain. As you know, quatrain or rubaiyat, uh, they, they are four-lined, very short poems, the shortest form of poetry in classical Persian, uh, something like you know Japanese haiku. Yeah. And now, in the original Persian, they are uh, rhymed, and uh, there is a rhythm to each line, and which is impossible to translate into other languages. And that is why I also included the English reading of the poem in, in Persian so that the readers can read and, and see the cadence and, and the rhythm of the poem. Now, this particular poem which I read, I will read in Persian so that um, you see how it sounds. Ey dar morde az vasl در جدایی مرده ای بر لب بحر تشنه در خواب شده وی بر سر گنج از گدایی مرده نو مرده is the rhyme in this poem and it means yet you die the way i have translated so there is this rhythm to the poem and also uh, the the line ends with uh, the same rhyme. It's beautiful. Uh, thanks. I have so many poems. Uh, do we have time <laughs> to read would, some more? Or? We we do. We've got about a, a little over 10 minutes left, and, and I would love to hear some more poems. Um, I just, it's, it's so beautiful. Yes, please. <laughs> Thank you. I, I will read one more, both in English and also in Persian. And this is one of uh, my favorite ones. More favorite ones, I should say. It's number 88 in the book. To the boat passing on the sea, reeds on the shore appear to be passing by. Likewise, we pass by and depart this life, thinking that the world is passing by. Now, in Persian, now here the rhyme is migozarat, means passing by passes by کشتی که به دریای روان میگذرد میپندارد که نیستان میگذرد ما میگذریم زین جهان در رحلت میپنداریم که این جهان میگذرد now this poem um, is very interesting also because I when I was translating this I re, um, recalled a similar verse, similar uh, lines from Dogen Zenji. Uh, Dogen was a contemporary of Rumi. He was a Japanese Zen master and poet. And in his uh, book, um, Shobo Genzo, he has a very similar uh, paragraph. And I do not remember all of it, but um, it says something like this, that on a boat, when one looks at the shore, he is illusioned by the sh- that the shore is passing. But when he gazes at the boat, he notices that the boat is moving. And in the <laughs> same way, with a confused mind, we are illusioned that we are permanent, but nothing is permanent, fixed. 
So it's it's amazing to see how two different mystics, two different poets from different traditions, one from the Far East and the other one from the Middle East, uh, uh, use the same symbols and metaphors to express some aspects of reality and life. Uh, it's just amazing. It is. It really is. And um, the, the, the poem is just so beautiful, and the way you read it was beautiful, too. Um, thank, thank you. so much for sharing that with us. I really appreciate it. Um, I wanted to make sure that we have time to talk about the Rumi Poetry Club as well. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Um, this club, Rumi Poetry Club, uh, we started in 2007, and uh, that was the occasion um, when there was a celebration for the 800th um, anniversary of Rumi's birth. And um, we have um, monthly meetings um, held at the library. We are located in Salt Lake City, so all, all our events are held in Salt Lake City. And we have a monthly meeting uh, the first Tuesday of every month, and we get together and read poems, um, so oftentimes from Rumi, but also from other poets. And um, And we also have... Uh, an annual uh, event, uh, what we call Rumi Poetry Festival, and the next one will be on September 29th, again at the Salt Lake Main Library, and uh, and all these events are open. They are free, open to the public. They are free, um, uh, but the limitation is that you know our activities are so uh, localized. Uh, uh, of course, it's possible to expand these events to other cities, to other places, but we will then need uh, volunteers. And um, we also have a website. Um, you will find lots of information about Rumi and other poets, and as well as our events. Uh, and uh, rumipoetryclub.com, I guess that is the best way to get information about uh, uh, the club. Okay, fantastic. And and I wanted to mention also that the website has, it does have a lot of wonderful information. I was looking at it recently and I noticed um, some beautiful pairings with poems and, and paintings together. And as you said, information about other poets. Uh, you do a monthly feature of a book and uh, sometimes a roomy book, sometimes another book. It's, it, it really is a great place to go and, and find out about poetry and all of that. Um, also, I understand that the Rumi Poetry Club will be bringing out a yearly journal from this point forward, and I would love to hear a little more about that, too. Yes. Well, this is a, a plan. We are thinking of publishing an annual book, um, uh, which would include original poems and uh, literary essays and reviews and contributed by various poets and writers. And each volume would be edited by one person or more and published by the Rumi Poetry Club. Um, so again, you know, if there are uh, some friends out there who are interested to contribute, um, they can uh, contact us uh, info at roomypoetryclub.com and um, 
this will be um, a series of uh, volumes, uh, not so much a, a, a magazine, but, but a, a, a book volume uh, that comes out every year. So each volume will have its own independent title. And um, yes, let's see. We are still working on the first one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So that that'll be a yearly anthology then. Yes. Basically. Yes. So okay, great. And also, uh, just one other little good news thing I wanted to share. I heard that the Rumi book was selected for the 2012 Summer Reading List by Radio West. So yes, <laughs> that must have been yes. quite an honor. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, we are very glad that you know this book was selected and. Um, um, it has been a labor of love for me, so uh, the more people read it, so, uh, you know, I am more delighted. Well, so I have to ask you something that I'm sure everybody's wondering, and that is, yes. do you have a favorite Rumi poem? <laughs> <laughs> well, all of I'm them are my favorite poems. <laughs> Actually, uh, you know, uh, for this particular book, Rumi, The Art of Loving, I had translated over 200 quatrains, but I had to be very selective uh, because I wanted to uh, keep a structure. Uh, I wanted to have 12 chapters, and each chapter would contain 12 quatrains. So I left a lot of uh, unpublished, uh, you know, quatrains. So all of them are... uh, you know, amazing poems, I mean, uh, at least to me. Um, But let me read you one poem, which is the last one in the volume. Um, It's number 144. I am both secular and religious. I am both pure wine and regis. I am old, young, and also a little child. When I die, don't say he died. Say he was dead, he became alive, and his friend took him away. Mm. Well, that's just really beautiful. That's that positive, positive worldview that you're talking about, you know? (laughs) Yes, yes. yes, uh, And all of his poems, uh, are very ecstatic. They, 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 you know, uh, this man uh, uh, was amazing also as a poet because he started composing these poems when he was 37. <laughs> yeah. And he, yes, yes. And prior to that, we have no record of him, you know, composing any poem. He, he did read lots of uh, poems, especially from um, two Persian poets mystic poets prior to him, Sanayi and Attar, a century before him. But uh, we do not know, we are not sure that Rumi really composed any poem before he was 37. And then he died uh, at age 67. So the last three decades of his life, uh, you know, he was composing poems. And he has something like 65,000 lines of poetry, rhymed and very rhythmic poetry. And if you divide these two numbers, uh, which I have done, you get something like 60 lines per day. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, 
so that, that source of energy and 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 uh, uh, very positive uh, source of uh, creativity. So apparently he had really touched on something, you know, that would give him that energy and vision. I know. I was thinking the same thing earlier. There's just there's this source, this this well and energy that he's just writing out of. It's amazing, and that's what we poets want to tap into. You know, it's just, he's yes. so such an icon for this. It's amazing. Um, we, now, may I ask you a question? If you have any particular poem you would like to read. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to have you back on the show for that because we're about to run out of time. And oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yes, I... I yeah, there it goes, the countdown. Um, I love his work. I just love all of it, and I, I love what you've done with the book. And I want to say also that, um, well, first of all, like you said, it's, it's hard to even pick a favorite poem. They're all my favorite poem. But I want to say that you are also a wonderful writer, and I know that you want to keep the focus on Rumi, but uh, your your essays are just beautifully written, and Thanks. parts of the essay uh, rise to the lyrics of the poetry as well. So, um, you know, congratulations on that. And uh, do you That's have... very encouraging. I appreciate that. Oh, <laughs> and as we're closing, do you have any other publications or events or anything coming up that you want to announce? I know we already sort of talked about that, but is there there's just anything in closing you want to make um, sure you get to? Uh, the best way is really to visit the, the, the website uh, since we are running out of time. <laughs> but, yeah, but I so thoroughly it, enjoyed our conversation. Me too, and thank you so much for sharing this treasure of Rumi's poetry with Thank us. You. I appreciate Have that. a wonderful Thanks. evening. <laughs> Have a wonderful okay. evening. To you and you all. Too. Thanks. Bye bye. Wonderful. Good night, Russell. Good night.